Well, good morning. These are certainly interesting times, aren't they? It's amazing how quickly the world can be turned upside down. Just a few short weeks ago, the United States had a thriving economy with the lowest unemployment in the history of our nation and a stock market that was knocking on the door of 30,000 points on the Dow index. Then in January, we began to hear about a new type of flu or virus that had originated in a meat market in Wuhan, China, and was sweeping across that country. As the weeks followed, fears grew that it would sweep around the world, and it has. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, I doubt any of us could have imagined in January what we would be dealing with in March. With the coining of a new phrase, social distancing has become the new normal, and within a couple of weeks, you now cannot buy hand sanitizer or toilet paper in the wealthiest country in the world. And we find ourselves this morning gathering to worship, not in our homes, but on the internet, and we thank God for the technology to do that. So what's going on in our world today? What's the message through the current calamity that we, the Church of Jesus Christ, need to hear and appropriate in our lives? If you're like me, I'm sure you've had more time than usual to consider what's most important in our lives and how we're actually faring in our faith walk with God. Times like these test our faith and confirm our convictions, or else they find our fears and reveal our resistance. It's easy to say, Lord, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away until the rooster crows. We've awakened to a new morning, shaken from our slumber of what is normal, uh, what is comfortable, what is expected. Awakened and shaken in a way that hopefully finds us steadfast and movable and abounding in the work of the Lord. That's why we've gathered this morning, right? To gird each other up, to pray each other up, to build each other up, and to point each other up. Bill commented to me yesterday when he and Camille and I were talking how it was a beautiful spring day and the birds were singing, flowers blooming, trees blossoming, and everything seemed normal, except it isn't. There's an invisible enemy that has confined us to our homes. This week, the President of the United States declared war on a virus. The President of France had done the same along with others. Imagine that. We have an invisible enemy. As Christians, we know something about invisible enemies. We've been hearing the past two weeks about the things we need to do to prepare ourselves for the coming coronavirus that's now among us. It is, I believe, wisdom to follow the direction of the medical community to avoid spreading the virus and hopefully to flatten that curve of escalation of infection. And we're doing our part this morning to that end. Now to the point of my message this morning. I believe there's often a parallel between what's happening in the physical world and what's happening on a deeper and possibly more significant level in the spiritual world. But are we aware of the spiritual or are we only consumed with the natural? Are we focused on the temporal to the exclusion of the eternal? I heard Pat and others talking about the spiritual awakening taking place through the sin. If you haven't seen the video yet, go to thesin.org and click on the About page to watch it. The sin is an explosion of evangelism that's begun as the fruit of several years of praying through a ministry known as The Call. In 2016, at a stadium gathering in Los Angeles Coliseum, the shift began as 70,000 people raised their shoes 
in response to a call to go anywhere for the gospel. In February of 2019, over 60,000 people filled an Orlando stadium. In February of this year, three stadiums of 140,000 people experienced the Send Brazil, and the president of the country showed up unannounced and declared that he is a believer in Jesus and that Brazil belongs to God. There are other SEND gatherings planned, including Kansas City in October of this year. Now, the tagline for the SEND is, the war on inaction has only begun. Allow me a moment of spiritual speculation. Is it possible that this new advance of the gospel rooted in prayer and fasting has also activated a response in the spiritual world from the prince of this world? When the church is sending, Satan needs to counteract that movement. God says go, and Satan is trying to get us to stay. Well, that's the introduction for the message. Now the message from Scripture. I was praying a couple of weeks ago about the message this morning, and the one word that I feel I kept receiving from the Lord was angels. Broad topic and challenging. Where to begin? As I started my research, I came upon a message by John Piper entitled Angels and Prayer. He delivered the message in 1992 and referenced the idea of territorial spirits in a book by Peter Wagner entitled Engaging the Enemy, How to Fight and Defeat Territorial Spirits. The book has been republished a couple of times and the latest title is simply Territorial Spirits. As noted by John Piper, Wagner believed that the Holy Spirit was calling the church to a spiritual warfare with territorial spirits, which are evil spirits, demons, principalities, powers, world rulers of this present darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, as we see in Ephesians 6.12, which attach themselves to specific territories or regimes or institutions. Now, this message was delivered in 1992 almost 30 years ago. Piper referenced Daniel chapter 10 for his message on angels and prayer, and I want to touch on a couple of key points that he brought out about spiritual warfare, prayer, and the participation of angels that I think will be very relevant to where we find ourselves this morning. So let's read together Daniel chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message, and he had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not any eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of a great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body also was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. While the men who were with me did not see the vision, nevertheless a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. 
So I was left alone and saw this great vision, yet no strength was left in me, for my natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken these word, this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O oh my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I've retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. He said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now, as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and I said, May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you understand why I've, I've come to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces, except Michael, your prince. Wow. I want us to focus for just a few moments, our attention this morning, on particularly what's happening in verse 1 and verse 12. Daniel had a vision from God of a great conflict. It was a vision that really rattled him, so much so that he spent three weeks mourning or crying, fasting and praying about it. He understood the, mission, the message and the vision in part, as we see in verse 1, but we know that it was only in part, it wasn't a complete understanding because in verse 12, the angel that appeared to him said, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to your words. It was Daniel's desire to fully understand in his heart the first vision that had come to him and troubled him so deeply that it caused him to cry for three weeks, 21 days, and humbled himself before God, and he cried out in prayer. And as a result of Daniel's humility and the words that he spoke through tears for 21 days, the Lord sent an angel to strengthen him and to show him the words of truth. 
Daniel didn't just shrug off the first vision and go on his way. He agonized before God in prayer to understand what the vision meant for the future of his people. As a result of his fasting and seeking God, he had a second vision of an angel from God, an angel whose voice sounded like the tumult or the roaring sound of thousands of voices. That experience combined with 21 days of fasting and praying had literally taken the breath out of him and he retained no strength. He fell flat on his face with his face in the dirt when he heard that voice. Then the angel touched him and pulled him up by his hands and knees. I can imagine the angel grabbing him by the scruff of the neck and the seat of his pants and pulling him up to the point that he's on his knees and crouched with his hands on the ground. The angel referred to Daniel as a man of high esteem. That word also means preciousness or greatly loved, a man greatly loved, a man precious to God. Imagine having an angel address you in such a way because of how earnestly you have sought the Lord in prayer. Then he said, understand the words I'm about to tell you and stand upright, for I have been sent to you. Who sent him? God. Why was he sent? Because of Daniel's prayer, because of his words. To give him a word from God, to tell him what is inscribed in the writing of truth. No wonder the demon known as the Prince of Persia was trying to keep the angel from getting to Daniel. He was bringing with him the truth. Notice that Daniel cried for 21 days, and it took 21 days for the angel to battle his way to get to him. If he was sent the first day, as we see in verse 12, why did it take 21 days for him to appear? Because he was engaged in a battle with the prince of Persia. He had fought him for 21 days until God sent Michael to assist him. Daniel battled in prayer for 21 days, and the angel battled the prince of Persia for 21 days while Daniel prayed. Coincidence? We have more influence in the battle going on in the spiritual world than we know, and that battle is waged in prayer. Here's a principle to remember. Our words can move heaven. The angel told him to stand upright. That phrase, stand upright, literally means to stand upon your standing. In other words, to buck up, stand tall, be strong. Daniel stood up trembling. <laughs> I imagine I would too. And then verse 12, then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to your words. Daniel had been crying, fasting, and praying for 21 days, pressing in to know God's will and to hear a word from him, for him, and his people from God. But from the first day that he set his heart to understanding, from the first day that he humbled himself before the Lord, from the first day that he prayed, God heard his words. And the angel was sent right away in response to his words, to his prayers. If we're laboring in prayer, we should not lose heart if the answer doesn't seem immediate because God hears immediately and he's at work. This should give us great encouragement and courage. God hears us. Second Chronicles 7.14 tells us, And my people who are called by my name 
humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Then the angel touched him a second time and strengthened him. The angel addressed him a second time and said, O man of high esteem, or O man greatly loved, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. This should be our admonition to each other during this time. Brothers and sisters, greatly loved, of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Why? Because we trust in the Lord. Because we will humble ourselves through tears, fasting, and praying to the Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Then in verse 20, we see this. Then he said, do you understand why I've come to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I'm going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. John Piper notes that as different kingdoms rise and fall, different demonic spirits hold sway and have to be dealt with by God's messengers in accomplishing his purposes. There are spiritual forces at work in our world that God has called us to battle in prayer. We're going through a shaking in the natural realm, but just imagine what must be taking place in the spiritual realm. The chapter concludes with verse 21, however I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. There is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. We don't have any idea what's taking place in the spiritual realm, but when we pray, it moves heaven. Perhaps the angels could use our help by standing in our standing, in fasting, humility, and our words to God. So buck up, believer. (laughs) Receive what is written in the book of truth. The battle in the heavenly realm was being waged to stop the book of truth from being given to Daniel. Daniel's prayer was about truth, not angels. God used an angel to bring the truth. There will be an enemy today against any attempt to deliver the truth to God's people because the truth sets people free. There are lies all around us in our culture, lies perpetuated by demons trying to stop the truth. Piper makes this important point in closing. Take the supernatural seriously and realize that we are in a warfare that cannot and should not be domesticated by reinterpreting everything in the biblical worldview so that it fits nicely with secular and naturalistic ways of thinking about the world. Be ready for the extraordinary as well as the ordinary ways that evil spirits work. This is a key. Don't be presumptuous as though demons were weak, and don't be anxious as though they were stronger than Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit and well-armed with biblical promises about the authority of Jesus Christ and about your rights as a child of God. Remember that two times in our text, the messenger from heaven said to Daniel, O man greatly esteemed or loved. The word means desired or precious. He said this to take away Daniel's fear in the midst of spiritual warfare, and it should take away our fear too. In closing, I believe we need an inbreaking of the supernatural because our Christianity has become too ordinary. God is preparing his church for battle. 
Will we fall on our faces and spend ourselves in prayer and humility to be strengthened in the inner man, to put on the full armor of God, and having done all to stand upon our standing? Or will we continue to slumber and miss the opportunity? I want to be known among the angels as a man of high esteem, don't you? I want to be so physically spent in prayer that the Lord sends an angel to help me stand up. Can you imagine? I've not had those experiences because I've not labored that long or that way in prayer before. Perhaps it's time. I'd like us to consider these verses to close our time together in the Word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.35 For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38 through 39. S.D. Gordon wrote a book in 1904 entitled Quiet Talks on Prayer. Over 100 years ago, he said, quote, intercession is winning the victory over the chief and service is taking the field after the chief is driven off. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer is the slender nerve that moveth the muscle of omnipotence. Prayer is the slender nerve that moveth the muscle of omnipotence. Spurgeon also said, groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers which cannot be refused. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for a knowledge of who you are. We thank you that you have brought us the truth in Jesus by your Holy Spirit. We thank you that in a natural world, we see things in a natural way, but there's also a spiritual world around us and things that we often don't see. And we ask you today to make us aware of that spiritual world around us and the battle that you've called us to. I thank you, Lord, that you've equipped us through your word. You've empowered us by your spirit. You've called us, Lord, to a, a holy calling. Um, you find us, Lord, when we're weak. You call us to stand up and to stand upon our standing. Lord, during this time where we have more time as individuals in our homes to spend with you, may we do so. May we press in. I pray that you would give us a vision for our world and a compassion and a, that really unsettles us out of our, our normalcy and out of our comfortableness. 
Lord, it's time for us to step out of the shallows into the deep. I thank you that you've begun a work in us that you will continue until you come. Our desire is that we might be known as men and women of great esteem, greatly loved because of our faithfulness to you. So Lord, as we enter a time as Camille leads us, Lord, may we dive deeper in prayer. May we press in harder. Lord, we long to know you in a way that we don't currently know you. We long to serve you in a way that we want to serve you. So often we're like the Apostle Paul and we, we do the very thing we hate. We don't do the things we should do. But one thing we do, forgetting what lies behind, we press on to the goal of the mark of the upward calling in Christ. Lord, have your way in us. Make us sensitive to your spirit. Engage us. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your covering in the blood of Jesus. To his glory. Amen.